Welcome to Conversations with Sarah. I'm Sarah Redden, Therapeutic Coach of SRTT. And today I'm joined by Gutsy Executive Coach, Raywin Guerrero, to have a conversation about listening to your gut. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Sarah. I'm so pleased to be here. It's early in the morning, but I am ready to go. Thank you. And I appreciate you getting up and coming and talking to me at the very, very start of your workday um, and taking time out to have a chat with me about a topic that I'm really interested in, but don't really kind of know a lot about. Um, so I would love if you would start and just explain to me what is a gutsy executive coach, because I've never heard this phrase before, this title. <laughs> well, it's one that I've come up with because I work with women in business and I try to help them connect the dots by understanding that their symptoms of fatigue or burnout or IBS or anxiety, even their mental health symptoms are connected to the fact that there is this whole other world residing within their, their digestive tract, their second brain. So I don't know if you've ever heard that expression, the, um, that the gut is the second brain. It's the seat of all emotions. We used to think in psychology that the amygdala was the seat of all emotions, but believe it or not, it's actually the gut. There's this whole enteric nervous system that exists within us and we're controlled by over a trillion um, organisms, which, and they're not all human, right? So we've got 57% of our microbiome is actually non-human DNA. So it's really important for us to acknowledge that and to feed that what it needs in order to, to succeed in life, because without good a good microbiome balance, we can fall prey to um, problems with our hormones, problems with immunity, problems with our mood and metabolism. Um, I like to think of the acronym HIM as a way to remember that. Uh, so the way to think about it is like the gut is responsible for what's going on there with our hormones, immune system, metabolism, and mood. Um, and that's why I've coined the phrase, the gutsy executive coach, because I work with women in business. And a lot of my work is, is based around understanding that gut brain connection and actually investigating it to see what's going on there. So actually doing diagnostics, which is a little bit different to the way that I initially trained because in psychology, you use a lot of questionnaires Mm -hmm. um, when people come on board and, you know, they, they start working with you. There's a lot of subjective um, data that you gather uh, when you work initially as a, a therapist. But this is a very objective way of working with, with someone because you can actually see tangibly what's going on with them biochemically. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and one of the, the, sort of the reasons that I find this so interesting is like along my healing journey. So I've been diagnosed with, with chronic health conditions, um, had IBS or have an IBS diagnosis. Uh, I had a guest on pre previously and we talked about IBS and that kind of it, my experience has been, if I'm not looking after myself, like nutritionally, that I'm, mm -hmm. I'm much more symptomatic. Um, if my, like I had vitamin deficiencies and like, there's all this stuff that I've connected along sort of my personal journey and work that I've done with clients. Mm -hmm. Um, so the fact that this is your focus and your expertise, it's like, yeah, I really need to hear more about this. Um, one of the things that I'm, curious about that and that you talk about uh, and that I experience with people when I'm in my self-care group we talk about like um having your blood tests like one of the things mm -hmm. I say to people in you know they go I've got fatigue I've got this that and the other have you been to the doctor and had your vitamin levels checked here in the UK we've got the range and they say yeah everything's fine you talk a bit about sort of your lab work being normal would you like to talk about it from your point of view and, and kind of what you encourage people to do please 
I think this is such a great question because the number of people that come my way that say, but I've tested everything and they've said it's all normal. Mm -hmm. um, this is a real problem, actually, because doctors are looking for full blown disease, right? What I'm looking for is dysfunction. That's like precursor to disease. So disease is when you start matching a pill to your symptom or a surgery. That's usually what happens with disease. It's either there are two treatment options, right? There's surgery or there's um, medication. But the way that I work is that I don't want people on medication. In fact, my mission is to get people off of medication because believe it or not, medications are actually responsible for a lot of the problems we have with our gut, right? So things like proton pump inhibitors like omeprazole can cause so much, even though it's designed for the gut, that's mm -hmm. what they say, it's where it's supposed to reduce acid reflux. It can actually destroy the gut. Um, antacids, um, what are some of the other things? Anti-inflammatory, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories can destroy the gut and the liver. So getting people off and, and psychopharmaceuticals, let's not forget yeah. those. Um, they can be very, very damaging. In fact, one of the first things that when people say they've started something like um, an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety med, they start having gastric disturbances, mm -hmm. right? As their bodies are regulating and getting connected to the medication. So that's one way to show you that your gut is very, very connected to what's going on with your brain. Why would you be taking an anti-anxiety medication and it starts doing things to your stomach, right? Yeah. So from my point of view, um, and from the research that I have done, because this is not, I'm not making this up. This is very evidence-based, yeah. even if it hasn't hit mainstream um, medical conventional practices yet. It's very much evidence-based and functional medicine is a whole, a whole system that looks at the body as a system and looks at how you can connect the dots. And I like using car analogies to explain this because if you go I to use your the car analogy too, Good. <laughs> it's one of the best ways to help people kind of realize what's going on. So if you go to your doctor and they, you say, look, I have a headache there and two of us show up and we both say, look, I have a headache we're both going to get the exact same treatment option take some paracetamol go home no one's going to look at you and say why have you got a headache so it's like going to your mechanic and saying my car is not working is your mechanic going to give every single person the exact same treatment no yeah. he's going to be like well why is your car not working and he's going to check your tires and he's going to look at your oil and he's going to look at the kind of petrol you've been putting in the tank he's going to give the give the, the car a once over and check everything out to figure out why it's not working and most likely he's so what he's doing is asking why it's very different to the way that western doctors currently um look at medicine they don't look at why they're like oh headache they look at disease or they look at the symptom so they spend a lot of time treating symptoms as opposed to asking why and i like people to kind of understand that functional medicine is like well your body is like this car and we have to understand why because there are lots of moving parts the only difference is you can't swap out parts with a body when things go wrong yeah yeah right? Which is why it's so important to look after it and understand how it works and how all these different systems are connected. Yeah. And I like that you kind of pick up uh, uh, and say, you know, it's about looking at what's going on with the symptoms. So not just taking a medication that's going to suppress the symptom um, mm -hmm. that you're looking at kind of what's going on, what's causing the symptom. So how how do you encourage people to look at the why? 
Well, I like the question you asked about the blood work. So let's go back to that a little bit, right? Because yep. you can get a lot of information from blood work, even if the doctors are looking at this looks normal. So their ranges, what they have done is they've looked at the averages of a sick population and then anything that's above that, they said, okay, that's normal, which is basically suboptimal. Yeah. So if you, <laughs> right. And they did it recently with vitamin D in the UK where everybody was coming in with pretty low levels. So they actually just lowered the range. And they just said, oh, well, everybody's got really low levels. So like, this is okay for us to like lower the range because then anything above this range will be considered normal. And <laughs> yeah. it's not, and that's not healthy. That's not health. So I get very frustrated and uh, which is why I kind of very mission driven about a yeah. lot of this because, you know, I got dismissed a lot by, by GPs, by specialists. You know, I saw lots and lots of specialists because like you, my initial sort of foray into all of this was a diagnosis of IBS. And because they couldn't figure out and their way of dealing with things is to look for structural abnormalities because they're looking for, like I said, for cancer, for growths, yeah. for polyps, for whatever. So they did scans and they couldn't find anything. And I remember the gastroenterologist looking at me and saying, there is nothing structurally wrong with you. Those were her exact words. And she just wanted me to leave her office. Like I paid yeah. her 450 pounds and just want, she just wanted me out of, her, out of her office. And I was really, really distressed by that because she, she actually said, she said, like, I've concluded that this must all be in your head. And that's, that was in 2011. Wow. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. That was in 2011. And I, uh, I got pretty upset about that, that sort of dismissal. And I know from speaking to my clients, like all the people who end up coming my way have been, I'm kind of like their last Hail Mary. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, the lot, cause they've tried everything else. They have been to all the specialists. They've tried acupuncture. They've tried Reiki. They've tried EFT. They've tried all the things. I'm a practicing hypnotherapist. I still incorporate hypnotherapy and CBT into my work, which is why I'm still, you know, I still call myself a coach because mm -hmm. I'm, a, you know, I've trained in functional medicine, but I definitely employ a lot of positive psychology into the work that I do because they're connected as well. You can't only focus on the body because the chief function of the body is to carry the brain around, according to Thomas Edison. So what you want to do is nurture that that bi-direction acknowledge first of all and and nurture that bi-directional relationship between the gut and the brain so I can give you a very classic example of something going on personally for me right now my mom's not very well she's um and she's very far away I'm trying to figure out how to get to her and the last week was very stressful so my sleep went completely like mm -hmm. plummeted like it wasn't sleeping very well and I tracked my sleep with this thing an o-ring so again I like objective measures of data right so this looks at like my heart rate variability it will look at my respiratory rate while I'm sleeping my body temperature in addition to the quality of sleep I'm getting like my deep sleep my light sleep my REM and my HRV was like the lowest I've ever seen it. It was like under 30, which isn't normal for me. Mm. So you want higher HRV, you know, anything higher means that you're under in a, not in a stress state. And I, I thought, oh my God, like I can't like, so just because one person in your family is sick doesn't mean the whole family has to go down. Right. Yeah. Which is what unfortunately happens. People all end up like going around the clock with the hospitals and all that stuff. And everybody forgets about themselves. So I made it my business. I realized like I've had seven days of not getting phenomenal sleep and really seeing like my, my reserves, my vital reserves starting to plummet. And, um, I thought I have to fix this and I have, I know how to, I have the tools to yeah. do this. So I combined um, some hypnosis, some self-hypnosis and meditation um, on Friday morning, uh, along with some supplements that are supportive to my, um, you know, to, to stress. 
um, some adaptogens, some magnesium. And the next night, like it was incredible to see, like we went from like below 30 to like over 60, just within, mm. you know, 24 hours. So I could start, you can start changing your biochemistry really, really quickly if you know how to do it and what to do. So you can hack your health. Yeah. And it shows really that, that, that it's, it's a systemic, we need to look at ourselves as a system and approach it in a, um, a multifaceted is the word I want to yeah, use. I hope it's the totally word that I'm it, using yeah. uh, in a multifaceted way because it's um, and it's not something we kind of really learn, I don't think. And we do put so much trust in traditional medicines so and going to the doctor and saying, "I'm not sleeping very well," and it might be, "Don't drink coffee after four. Take this tablet." Uh, and, and there is so much more more to it. Um, I kind of I, I've got so many questions to ask I don't even know where to start um so like for me um most of my siblings we've all got kind of this different autoimmune stuff going on um mm -hmm. so I know you you talk a bit about genetics and genetics not being an issue so what what do you mean by that um so according to if I don't know if you've ever read this book by Stanford University professor Bruce Lipton it's called the biology of belief and I'd recommend it to anyone who wants to understand that according to him 95 percent of all illness is actually stress related and the CDC believe it or not this was 10 years ago when I was um running well-being at Barclays the CDC actually came out with a statement that 95% of all illnesses lifestyle related. Yeah. And I think they've drawn it from, from his research, right? From yeah. Stanford University, because life is stressful. I am not gonna pretend like it's not like, especially as I get older, I think when we're young, we think we're invincible and bulletproof and we can bounce back from anything and it becomes harder as you start to get older. Um, so what do I think about genetics? I think that 5%, yes, it plays a part for sure. And mm -hmm. I do like doing something called um, a DNA test where you can spit into a test tube fun. Um, I, I collect lots of wonderful data from people. I get stool, yeah. I get saliva, I get urine, I get hair. Um, and um, we, you can spit into a test tube and we can see what genes you might be predisposed to. And this was important for me because um, my grandfather had dementia mm -hmm. and a lot of people in his family succumbed to dementia. Like they didn't really sort of live past their sixties. And that freaked me out because I was like, oh my God, like I don't wanna be someone dying in their sixties. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to understand. And luckily, weirdly enough, I don't actually have the genes for Alzheimer's, I don't. Um, so I was very relieved by that. Yeah. So that meant that, okay, that everything that happened with him was lifestyle related. And now that I know everything that I know and that I've read and I've researched and I've studied um, because my psychology dissertation was actually on age-related cognitive decline and the effect of B vitamins on the brain. Yeah. Right? yeah. But that's that, that kind of started me down the rabbit hole that nutrition actually can impact the brain right? Yeah. The B vitamin. And this, what happens is when we consume a lot of sugar, so this is where the lifestyle component comes in. When you consume a lot of sugar, sugar depletes things like magnesium, B vitamins, zinc, all the things that you need for a healthy gut and also for a healthy brain. So that's mm -hmm. why it's important what you're feeding yourself is going to impact. How you, so your inputs are going to impact your outputs. And I know that's something that people in business can understand and that I hope that people on this podcast will, will get as well, that what you put in is definitely what you what comes out. And there was that lady, Jillian McKeith, remember her? You are what you eat. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't the hugest fan of her show. But, um, <laughs> but there was sense in that statement. <laughs> It's more as well, you are also what you absorb. So I yeah. think like just one step further, because if your gut lining is damaged and you're not absorbing nutrients yeah. and you've got a leaky gut, you 
have a leaky brain. And a lot of people with depression have got a leaky brain because they have leaky guts. They've got this. So the the guts meant to be this sort of like tight, like bound together like this. But when we eat foods or we take medications, like I was talking about, you end up with these spaces in between and molecules and food particles and proteins start to, to, to filter through and start entering the bloodstream. And they can trigger things like autoimmunity. They can mm-hmm. trigger things like rheumatoid arthritis. In addition to obviously, if there's an imbalance of bacteria, yeah. there are certain bacteria that are linked to things like joint pain, linked to things like headaches. So sometimes when I do a gut health test and I see you know someone who's been saying, oh, I've been having a lot of muscle pain, I don't recover well from exercise or I find it very hard to move or I find it and they blame themselves it's like I don't have any willpower anymore I can't get out of bed I'm like well I can actually see tangibly why that is happening because you have got this overgrowth of bad bugs and we'll just call them bad guys who are having a party in your they've set up shop inside of you and they're having a party and they love sugar they crave sugar so if you're like saying I don't have the willpower to stop eating sweets it's not you it's your 57% that's actually non-human DNA that are craving those things and that they have out they have overgrown or outweighed the good bugs so I like to start working on like okay well let's let's have a plan where we start repopulating with good things as well as killing off the bad things it's a little Mm -hmm. bit more complicated than that but that's the simplified version and very quickly people start to feel like the fog has lifted I hear that a lot the fog is lifted I now have energy I can get out of bed because they have they start knocking off the stuff that was sucking their energy. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it sounds when you, gross. You, you, no, no, no. I mean, this is the sort of all the stuff that I'm really interested in and kind of that you can explain so much better than I do because I, I don't, you know, it's I, I've got passive interest and I've been reading about it. Like you brought up the B vitamins and that's something, B12 is something that I harp on about a lot. Um, and um, when people are saying to me like I'm fatigued or I've been diagnosed with fibromyalgia as I was um it's like get that looked at get that looked at and get that like look at what's going on um mm-hmm. because I, I think I think in the UK especially it's a it's a greatly under diagnosed condition like pernicious anemia is is kind of very very much dismissed and b12 deficiency is is quite is dismissed and um there's like if you've got a vegan vegetarian lifestyle it's something you need to be mindful of and mm-hmm. people just aren't aware because we think you know we as long as we eat healthy ish we get everything we need don't we yeah um you know and this is one of my personal bugbears people tell me all the time but I eat healthy and I exercise and they think that's the definition of what health is right and um I I really am on a mission to kind of break that mindset because that is that's a barrier to you actually getting healthy by Mm. thinking that you're eating healthy and you know by following government guidelines yeah you're definitely not eating healthy like I have been in A&E in the past where I've sat down and I've watched the ticker the screens where they're telling you oh if you want to avoid diabetes have a plate full of starches right and avoid fat and avoid um salt and I'm like, oh my God, like the, you know, like the food pyramid, the government food pyramid yeah. is so like out of whack. Like it's got used to eating potatoes, rice, pasta, like as the, that should be the, the majority of your plate and it, no vegetables above the ground should be the majority mm-hmm. of your plate, right? Not the stuff that grows beneath the ground. And you shouldn't have three starches on your plate if you want to avoid diabetes and blood sugar is an interesting one because I'd like to get into that. That is one of the easiest ways to regulate your health. It's called metabolic health. So that's like looking at after your metabolic health will help look after your brain health. It will also help look after 
your waistline. So you have like all these great benefits that will come from that and, you know, as, as well as your emotional health. So um, blood sugar regulation was probably the number one thing that I, I talked about when I was in corporate, when I used to run the wellbeing program, trying to get people to understand eating every like three hours and eating lots of junky things like the Kit Kats and the coffee and all the things that keep you on this roller coaster because it's causing your blood sugar to spike, then drop and spike, then drop. And you're on this thing and it creates these spikes in cortisol as well. And mm -hmm. cortisol is your stress hormone. So the more that you eat in that way, where it's like every three hours, you're just shoveling junk into you. Right. And you, you're not allowing your body any, and which is why I'm, I like fasting. I like people who say like, I'm going to try some intermittent fasting and I'm going to start eating more vegetables above the ground and more protein um <clears throat> with regulating that helps start creating more of a gentle wave as opposed to these dramatic peaks and troughs and then that can help bring cortisol back into balance and cortisol has an impact on all these other hormones as well so that's one thing i would love for people who are listening to take away that if you are under stress your fertility is going to be impacted your female hormones are going to be impacted right um, I'm assuming that we're speaking to a lot of women, but yeah. Um, yeah, so you're, you know, so that's why a lot of women have been showing up saying, I can't get pregnant or I have really horrible periods or I'm going through menopause early. If you're under a lot of stress at work or in your life, like you're going to experience weird things happening with your hormones. It's just because cortisol is one of your hormones and that you have to think of hormones as like, you know, a four legged, a four legged chair and they're holding you up and you've got your metabolic hormones, which we're just talking about insulin. Insulin's one of them, blood sugar. Then you've got um, your stress hormones. So you've got adrenaline and cortisol, and then you've got your sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. And then, then you have got your thyroid hormones. And this one is one of my, um, I see this one a lot, like this comes up. And one of the things that I get distressed about when I see people say, oh, I've been diagnosed with anxiety or I've been diagnosed with depression. I say, has anybody ever run a thyroid test on you? Yeah, mm -hmm. but it all came back normal. And mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, okay, I said, can I see it? And when was the last time you did it? Because usually what we'll find, the thyroid takes a lot of the burden on the body. And <clears throat> What you'll find is that um, women who are dealing with depression and anxiety, they tend to have either a, a really underactive thyroid, um, sometimes even bordering on an autoimmune condition like Hashimoto's. Mm -hmm. So um, so we have to work on not treating the thyroid, working on, okay, well, what are all the other hormones that are, which is why I never like to do just one test. I like to get yeah. a full picture. It's it's a puzzle. We're putting together the pieces of your health puzzle. So yeah. you're that's why I collect all this data to begin with before we even start to work together. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it is, it's all these pieces. And, and it was really interesting that you brought up about food as stress because i don't think we consider that when we think about reducing our stress um you know i use meditation i talk about breathing the hypnotherapy uh, taking things out of your life that aren't nurturing for you mm -hmm. but do we ever really look at food and think about i know i don't i don't look at food and think about that as something that causes my body stress so that's an, that's something for me to think about to go away and kind of reflect on and that's an interesting perspective that I'd not really heard before well wouldn't you like to know like if it was causing you stress because that's what's beautiful about like food sensitivity testing and not food allergy testing food sensitivity testing because mm. allergies people are born with sensitivities they're acquired due to things like having a leaky gut right 
So the leakier your gut is, the more reactive you're going to be to things. You're more you're more likely to break out in hives. You're more likely to probably bloat. In fact, some people say like, I feel like I'm acquiring more and more sensitivities as I'm as I'm aging. Yeah. A couple of reasons for that. One, we start losing digestive enzymes as we age, so it becomes harder for us to break our food down. Enzymes help us break. Two, if we're stressed or we're eating in a stressed state and we're not believe it or not, digestion begins here in the mouth. So if you're not producing enough saliva to break your food down and you're eating in a very hurried, stressed way and just kind of shoveling food in, um, it doesn't matter if you're putting in good things, right? Like even if you're eating like vegetables or whatever, but the Mm. fact that you're not producing enough saliva to start to break the food down, it's supposed to be pre-digested by the time it hits your gut. But if it's not from, because you've got a dry mouth because you're stressed, because that's one of the physical reactions that, that happens when we're under stress. Um, then it's going to hit your gut and you're going to feel uncomfortable and bloated because it will take longer for your food to break down. So there's just that, like, you know, poor digestion is one thing, but also what, what are the foods that might be triggering some of this, Mm. this physical reactions and the sensitivities It's good to clean those up in addition to doing all the other things and actually identifying them is, is a good first step. So Yeah, because food, food, water, you know, I had a lady recently was saying to me that she's following everything really well on the diet, Um, you know, like, because you have to go on a pretty strict for 90 days, I put you on a strict diet for 90 days, that's based off of the results of the test. So it's not a random diet, like it's one Mm. that we, it's personalized. Yeah, exactly. It's custom. And um, the one thing that I didn't even think about asking, you know, she, she told me that she was drinking a lot of tap water. And I said, oh, um, I said, is there a reason why you don't like filter your water? She's like, should I? And I'm like, yeah, I said, because there's a lot of chemicals in tap water and they can be very disruptive to hormones, believe it or Mm. not, to female hormones. So um, that's that's something else. Like consider the sources of everything that you're putting in. Like, where's your water coming from? Where's your food coming from? Do you know, you know, what kind of oil is it cooked in? Because, um, you know, the quality of oils, they impact the quality of your food and levels of inflammation in your body. So um, oils that don't have a really high smoke point. So start seed oils like mm-hmm. rapeseed. Um, and that have been heavily processed and like injected with gasoline, because that's basically what rapeseed yeah. oil has been. Right. Mindful about what we're consuming. That's the bottom line, where it comes from. Choose things like avocado oils, coconut oils, olive oils, those sorts of things and avoid trans fat and hydrogenated oils. And it's hard because when you go to a restaurant, you know, they you don't know what they're cooking your food in. I learned a little trick recently. They said, you know, if you're going to a restaurant, you ask the waiter, like, do you know if it's cooked in? you know, butter or olive oil and butter, by the way, is amazing for your brain. I know people mm. will believe, will be confused by that, but it actually contains something called butyr- butyric acid, which is amazing for dealing with anxiety. So ghee yeah. and butter are two phenomenal sources of good fat that helps your brain out and helps reduce things like anxiety. Yeah. And like we've been conditioned really, haven't we, as a society to eat these kind of low fat spreads and um, uh, diet type food. And yeah, we are missing out on these good fats and and things that because we've we've become scared to eat them yeah everyone's been petrified by the 80s I think the 80s scarred us when it came to like that it was a low fat campaign like everything was about and eating cereals for breakfast and cake for breakfast you know muffins and pop tarts and and cereals and like we shouldn't be eating grains that much you know Mm. like we we need to be starting our days with more protein and more good fat so you know when I tell someone that you know we should probably once they're not intolerant to eggs I'm like start your day off with some eggs 
you know, eggs and some avocado or eggs and some nitrite free organic bacon, that will mm. be totally fine for you. And they look at me like I've got two heads because they're like, how is <laughs> I can that eat bacon for breakfast? Bre- bacon for breakfast. And I'm kind of like, well, we, once we know the source of it, we know it's a good source and it's not full of, you know, pumped full of hormones and chemicals yeah. and we're good. You know, and, you know, people say things to me like, okay, it's really expensive to eat this way. Right. But I just got a crazy bill from the hospital for my mom. um, I'm kind of like, actually, that's way more expensive when you get sick because it's like, you know, yeah, it's it's like hundreds of thousands of dollars when people become ill that they have to fork out when you have to go into obviously in England, there's socialized medicine. But let's say you decided to go down um, a private healthcare route because you're not getting responses fast enough. And that's happening more and more now. Because I have people who are coming to me saying, can I get this done through my GP? I'm like, you can. And then they come back and they say the GP actually says they're not doing this anymore in England because they've run out of whatever. So now they're having to go private. So yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'm not going to go into my segue rant about how uh, people with B12 deficiencies and their treatments have uh, been impacted by certain benefit like cuts and changes. It's, it's, it's Exactly. And I know people who are going private for exactly that reason, because I have one lady who's been struggling with she doesn't have a lot of um, her homocysteine is high. And that's a marker for she's got problems with metabolizing or what we call methylating vitamin B. And mm. it's leading to lots of other issues with her thyroid and a bunch of other things. And she um, she decided to get try and get shots from the government. Um, and it's not been very, very successful. So she's had to go private. And it's actually a good thing that she went private because once we were able to like, I was like, okay, you are an undermethylator. So we basically need to get you a methylated form of vitamin B. And she was never going to get that from the GP anyway. Yeah. 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 Because they only give you one form of, of vitamin B. So that's another thing that I'd like people to be aware of. Not all vitamins are created equal and not all yeah. supplements are created equal. And if there's one thing you can think take away is like you don't diy your car hopefully you don't (laughs) so please do not diy your body or your brain you know work with somebody who actually understands how it works and all the systems and how they're connected and um and and don't be like oh i take supplements from costco i'm like why would you do that it's like buying like the cheapest oil to put in your car um if you want it to run well then don't put cheap oil in it yeah Thank you so much for sort of sharing all that with me. That's I've really, really enjoyed like listening to you talk and and the things that you um, have brought up today have, have given me stuff to think about because it's it's definitely kind of an area I'm starting to look more into along my health journey and I've, I've become much more aware of over the last few years and especially with the conversations that I'm having here on the podcast with people like yourself and kind of the work that I'm doing myself around sort of relationship with food so thank you so much for coming on and sharing with me um just before you go is there anything that you want to leave people listening with to go away with today well, first of all, it's been such a pleasure. Um, definitely worth the 7 a.m., 7.30 start. Like, <laughs> love, love actually being able to share this message and spread the health because that's what I really feel is important. Um, yeah, I mean, if there's if you've been dismissed by your doctor, let's say, or you've been noticing little niggling things and you just haven't really paid a lot of attention to it, start tuning in to it. You know, don't ignore anything. Don't wait until it snowballs into a problem. And I think in England, that is something that people tend to do. Um, because we think, well, we've got the NHS, it's going to patch us up if anything goes wrong. But you really want to be more proactive. And, you know, I think it's Benjamin Franklin who said, um, 
an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of Mm -hmm. cure. Mm -hmm. So please like be proactive with your health and be as preventative as you can. And if you're not getting joy from your primary care physician or your general practitioner, then seek out someone who actually will listen to you. And, um, there's someone that I, one of my early mentors, her name is Chris Carr. I don't know if you guys have heard of her. She um, has a brand called Crazy Sexy Wellness. So she wrote a book called Crazy Sexy Wellness. It was documenting her journey with an incurable form of cancer where she'd been told she had like six months to live. 15 years later, she's still here. Um, Not not dead. But she said she fired her doctors because they were all giving her doom and gloom. The only option is chemo. The only option is radiation, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And she was like, I refuse to accept that. And she says, you need to become the CEO of your health. And that's where a lot of my, um, I I find that such an empowering message. So don't hand over your power to someone that you think knows more about you than you. Listen to your gut, listen to your body and tune into it and then work and find someone, hire someone who can help you. Um, actually understand what's really going on with you so that you're not just putting band-aids on things yeah. and um, or sticking plasters as they yeah. say in England yeah yeah, yeah. And, and I would absolutely echo that it's it's you you know you best and if you're being told that stuff's within healthy range but you your body isn't doing what it needs to be doing then clearly something is not okay get second third fourth opinions tap in and don't and don't wait a year because one of the things that they say is oh don't worry we'll come back and check it in six months or we'll check it in a year why why check it like and just allow it to like continue to progress like why don't we just halt it now and figure out how to do that completely and if anyone's sort of listened to all the podcasts they will have heard bits of my story and and will know why I'm so passionate about this sort of stuff and the difference it's made me having this awareness and and using it within my you know even just the things that I know not in the way that you do but the things that I know have have made such a difference with my health and well-being and my ability to do the things that that I want to do so it's it's makes such a difference so do listen to yourself and, and advocate for yourself and do what needs to be done Thank you so much for coming on and speaking with me. Thank you. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. I've loved every second. Thank you. Thank you to everyone that's listened. I hope that you've enjoyed today's episode. To find out more about me, get in touch with me or my guests, give feedback or suggestions, visit srtt.co.uk. I'll be back next Wednesday with a new guest. Until then, stay curious and be kind to yourself.